Hey, 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 welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. On this episode, I'm so super fired up and excited. As you guys know, I'm always super fired up uh, to be joined by a property investor based in the northern part of England, uh, Manchester, Merseyside, Liverpool. This amazing lady has been in property for 20 old years. Name it, she's done it. I'm so excited to announce and to share with you guys that I've got Shelly Ann Haig all the way from Manchester, Merseyside right now on this podcast. Now, very quickly, look, guys, this lady's got 17 plus properties in her portfolio. She's managed to source multiple properties and she is a refurb specialist, HMO specialist based in Manchester, Merseyside. Without further ado, I want to welcome you, Shelly. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to meet you. Lovely, lovely to have you on the Wealth and Business Podcast. So very quickly, Leah, what made you get started in property in the first place? Interesting question. I I was watching a program on, well, it was a news program about leaving your children wealth and inheritance. And I remember there was three people sitting on the couch and one said, I want to leave every penny of my millions to my child. Another one said, I'm not leaving them anything. And there was a lady called Jill Fielding who said, I'm going to leave my child about 20,000, but I'm going to leave them the education that comes with wealth and building wealth. So I sought out how to find out more about how do you, how do you get, how do you turn 20,000 into a million? And I got involved in the Rich Dad Poor Dad Training Academy back in sort of 20 years ago. Funnily enough, the lady who I'd seen on the couch talking was one of the trainers and I just jumped in feet first. I refinanced my house and I started buying my first buy to let. I was 25 years old at the time, but I just did it because I just wanted a future where I had time freedom. I didn't want to be somebody who was stuck to a nine-to-five job my whole life. So it it triggered me, but it also triggered me to think about the education and how I could help my children learn about wealth and education. Wow, it's so amazing how that one simple book or how that rich depth for that has been Every single person I've ever spoken to that became so successful talks about that book. It's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely insane how, you know, a simple book makes a massive trans- transition, you know, across not one generation, multiple generations and generations, even generations I'm born to come. I'm sure people always recommend reach out for that book for everyone to read. So you read that book, you went through the training program. Again, you met a lady who says uh, 20,000 pounds, you know, of an income in property income for his children during to come. And you started digging deeper on how to build a legacy and generational wealth for yourself. What an amazing story. What really an amazing story. But before that, before you made this very simple transformation, what, what were you always doing? Were you always somebody that was very inquisitive? Were you somebody that was just very passionate? you know, building a legacy. Not everyone wants to build a legacy or build wealth or become wealthy. So what was the mindset before that? So for me, I have always been, as you said, very inquisitive. I love learning. Every single year I take on a new hobby, a new challenge. You know, one year I become a Reiki practitioner. The next year I uh, get a powerboat license. The next year I'll 
like kayaking, it's like I always have to do something. So when I when it, I wanted to learn about property, so about 15 years ago, it was all about, in, well, about 20 years ago, it's about investing and finance and wealth creation and how to do that. So at that point in my life, I just had a real interest and I just, I sought out everybody who I could and I went on, you know, all the training courses that were available. I listened to all anything that was available um, back in the time. Uh, you know, we didn't really have the internet as it is, as it is now back then. So I had to search it out. Um, I, you know, I've read, bought all the books, read all the books. And I think it was more to do with, I like to expand my mind. I'm only happy when I'm learning and when I'm learning something new. So I, I love learning and I love training. And it's that kind of, I think that's my inspiration is the the desire to learn every day something that I didn't know yesterday. And property was a hot topic back when I started. Wow, wow, wow. It's great to know that property was a, a hot topic, right? But not a lot of people make that transition to say, I want to go and learn property. Rather, people end up just going to buy properties for the sake of buying properties and end up not having the right yield, the right returns. And even buying at the right location, I mean, you want to agree with me. I always say this, right? Property doesn't make you wealthy. But what makes you wealthy is the mindset and knowledge that you bring together to make property work, then building a wealth and empire for yourself. But, you know, a lot of people would, wouldn't have gone through the lending process first. They would have just gone to buy a house. They're like, buy a house, put in a tenant there, and happily ever after. So what really made you want to learn? you know, instead of just going to buy a property, what would you make you wanted to learn? I just think by educating yourself, you've got a lot more, well, you've got a much better foundation to to do things on. Mm. At the time, there was lots of different strategies out there, you know, with HMOs. And the, back in the day when I was starting, it was buying rent backs, which are, you know, we can't do that anymore. There was standard buy-to-let HMOs, um, just lots of different strategies. And I think every book I read was saying, go in a different direction. So yeah. by me surrounding myself with property experts, property millionaires, I was able to get the knowledge from all of them, how they developed, how they built their, you know, their wealth creation. And then it was a case of what fits my lifestyle. So for me, I would say when I decided what strategy to go down, I didn't look at the numbers. I looked at my lifestyle. I looked yeah. at, you know, how much, how many hours have I got to put into this, um, property development? Because I was working full time. My partner was working full time. What strategy do I want? What will suit me short, medium and long term? So I think this, for me, the education was to help me really define my strategy. Yeah. And as a sourcing agent at the moment, I would say one of my biggest frustrations with my clients is they don't have a strategy. They're scattergun. They're, can we have a, a service communication? Can we have a HMO? Can we have a family home? Can we do this? Can we do this? They keep changing their minds. And that's through lack of education because they're just looking at numbers and going, oh, well, that looks better. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. And and for me, education gives you the tools to create a strategy 
which then you become an expert in one, then move on to the next, become an expert in that, move on to the next. Whereas too many people are trying to do too much without the foundation and the knowledge. And I think that's, that's probably why I did it that way around, got the education first. And then, you know, I hit the, like, I hit the ground running and bought 17 in three years. So, you know, it, that, that platform for me was the key to my success. You know, I couldn't agree with you any less, right? So I am a coach and mentor myself, and I say this all the time, right? You have to have the knowledge first. You, without the knowledge, you're basically, it's like building a house on a, on a foundation that is not solid. What's going to happen? The whole thing is going to come down crashing. Yeah. Right. My favorite parable at school was the man who built his house on sand. And that always stuck with me. And I think that is so relevant to what we're talking about. Just in theory of life generally, it, it, you know, I know property, we build foundations, but I just think with everything, you need the right foundation. So I agree totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cut long story short, you basically got off the ground. How was it like, basically, after you got yourself educated, after you, after you, you've learned, how was it like, you know, you know, making that transition for that first property deal? So again, we didn't, we didn't rush in. Um, back in the day when I started, there was no, you know, found fantastic Zooplas and right moves and average house prices and all of that. You had to physically do it. You had to go and visit the places and look at the house prices and, you know, figured it all out. So we traveled the country up and down. We lived in the Midlands at the time. I was living in Solihull and rather than in, I live in Merseyside now, which is where I invest in. But back in the day, I traveled the country. I didn't just again come out of the education and hit the ground running. I gave myself another six months of researching the market, understanding the different areas, the yields within each area, where the highest demand for housing was, figuring out the right strategy. And we just went and viewed loads of houses and we spoke to lots of builders and we got lots of edge. We educated ourselves from that perspective before then we took the next step, which was putting our first offering on our first house. What was really interesting is I grew up on a very, just a very basic council estate in a place in Liverpool, which, you know, what was really interesting is the the demand for housing. There was ten year waiting lists. No way. House prices were around sixty thousand pounds to buy the properties. The rents were five fifty. The yields were like ten percent. So it was after doing all the research for the whole country, we actually realised that one of the best return on investment areas that we researched was the the area that I actually grew up in as a child. <laughs> we went back and we, you know, we bought like two houses in the road I grew up in, one in the next road, one in the next road, one in the next road. And because of that, what was really good is I knew people. So I, I had a long list of tenants because it was, People I went to school with, their, you know, their relatives and things like that. So it was really bizarre that I lived in the Midlands, but I was investing in the Northwest. And then eventually after four or five years, we moved up to the Northwest so we could manage the properties easier ourselves and be closer. Wow. So would you say you said there was a waiting list for a very long period of time for people to to rent? Would that then mean that your strategy was at that time or even still currently that any property that you do buy and refurb, 
you rent it out to the council or is it that you're dealing with the private market? So I deal with the private market. So I tend to buy personally ex-local authority properties and I rent them out privately to people who can't get on the waiting list because you're, what the council tend to do is they prioritise the at-risk people, the homeless, the vulnerable, the, you know, people like that. If you're a, a working, young working professional on a low income who's done really well in life but wants to stay close to your family, you're not prioritised on the council's waiting list. Yeah. So they tend to come to private landlords. Now, one of the things about myself is, I've always prided myself in having low-cost, affordable housing. And because of that, I've got most of my tenants have been my tenants since the day they moved in between, as I say, 15 to 18 years I've had tenants. They're still my tenants now because we work with them and we, you know, we, we were the first landlords in Heighton in Liverpool to be accredited. We were in the newspapers yeah. and things like that. So we, we offer really high quality, but we give low rents, but we've never had voids hardly wow. at all because. You know, it's, it's, so we, we see it as a long game. And I think that's the key for me with investing is always look at property as a long game. If you see it as a short game and you're constantly trying to, you know, get a good return immediately, that's where people go wrong. For us now, we've got houses which have doubled in that time and we've made money, but we didn't even, we didn't mean to do that. We, we meant to, we were kind of doing it for cash flow, but we've now, over time, got the capital growth as well because we've been incredibly patient and we've just held those properties, offering really nice, you know, good homes, good quality homes to people who couldn't get a council house. Wow, wow, wow. That's amazing. So what would you say, you know, how do you very quickly, after buying the very first property, how did you transition into property number two number three number four you know yeah. so i had a little bit of savings in an isa i had overpaid my personal mortgage quite considerably because you know we were double income no kids i was working in the pharmaceutical industry i had a good job nice bonuses so while all of my colleagues were buying shoes and handbags and designer clothes I was buying council houses and walking around in clothes from Tesco you know so it was I put all my savings aside I released all the equity out of my own house that I lived in and we basically put that in a pot of money that we wanted to invest so we were able to buy with the money that we had we bought three consecutively and then as we, we did the basic buy, refurbish, rent, refinance, it was as simple as that. So with the first one, after six months, it was after the six month rule came in. So we worked on a kind of two monthly cycle. So the first one we bought and then we bought the second one two months later, then the next one. And then at six months, we, we re, we refinanced the first one. Yep. We pulled out. 20,000. So nearly all of our deposit and refurb costs, we were able to pull out. So then we put that in the pot and we did a fourth one. We did the same with the second one, pulled that out, did the fifth. So we didn't have one big massive pot of money. We just recycled the money through the buy, refurbish, rent, refinance tool. And it was only 
the reason we stopped at the time was because I got pregnant and I was working full time. I was a full time mum and I was running a business full time. Something had to give and it couldn't be the job or the day job or the child. So we just put the property business on the side for a while because it managed itself. It was all just, you know, ticking along. And then my ex-husband, who is still my business partner now, we didn't sell our property portfolio when we divorced. He now manages our portfolio and I've set up a brand new company myself now. So he still manages all of our properties, but we've never sold one of them. We've just held on to them. You know, I say this all the time, while sell, whilst you can refinance and pull out majority of your money, only yeah. if you understand how it works, only yeah. if you understand you know, the number of due diligence that needed to be done, then you don't need to sell because again, it's not, it's not tax efficient when you, when you sell, when you sell, you're going to be, you know, you obviously, you're going to pay tax on your capital gain uh, and, 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 you know, all the, all the uplift or the value of, of that actual purchase. But when you refinance, it's a bit obviously different because you're not selling that property. It's, it's not, it's not a business transaction. However, obviously you've released equity into, into your business to erase and repeat that entire process. Now, for those who don't really know, what is then buy property finance? How does it work? So essentially, you buy your property. If you, the normal thing to do is get a 75% loan to value on that property. So if you're looking at a hundred grand property, you'd have a 25 grand deposit and then you'd have a 75 grand mortgage. Now, if you did, if you spent five to 10 grand's worth of work, but you added about 30 to 40 grand's worth of equity, once you got to the six month stage, you can go back to your lender or you can switch lenders. But the best thing to do is get a lender which offers you a further advance option from the very fit, from the very start. That'll save you a lot of money and fees. Um, the other option is to buy it with cash outright and then put a mortgage on it at six months or to bridge it if the figures work out. But I tend to prefer to just buy with a mortgage from day one with a further advance option at six months, bring the value back out, show the value that you've added. They'll then say to you, your house is now worth 130. We'll give you 75% of the new value. So then when you they give you the difference back, and that tends to then be the amount, usually a little bit less, but you end up pulling out the majority of your deposit and your refurb costs. So then your return on investment for that property goes up considerably because you're less money in over time. Or you can wait for the full two years and you can just remortgage completely. But but the key for me is I always try and explain to people they can refinance sooner than the six months, but if they wait a full six to nine months before refinancing, the valuers will value the property um, at market value. If they try and do it before the six months, they'll give you the value for the property price plus the refurb, but they won't give you any market increase. It's really important to know those things when you're doing that strategy. And the same thing again, if you buy for cash, always wait the six months. So then you'll get a full market valuation on the property. I mean, for now, there's a lot of lenders out there that would basically not allow you refinance a property, you know, under six months 
how do you then go and find those kind of lenders that will do a mortgage purchase uh, where you can refinance that property after six months or nine months later? Yeah, so um, a good mortgage broker who deals with the whole of market can find you these. Now, what you've got to remember is if you buy in your own name, so if you're buying as, you know, I buy in Shirley Ann Hague and I'm the owner of that property, there's a lot more mortgages that are available at a much lower interest rate, much better loans to value and a lot more further advanced options available. Now, obviously, for tax purposes, people are now tending to buy in limited companies. So the the availability of mortgage companies and lenders that will do this yeah. further advanced option has been reduced. But my broker has said, you know, there are lenders who are doing this further advanced option now for limited companies. So it's the key is, I don't know what lenders are out there. It changes daily. Just the key is to work with a really good whole of market mortgage broker and get the options available. But this is where the education comes in. If you know what you're asking for, the broker will give you what you want. Yeah. Whereas if you haven't got the education, you're going to a mortgage broker. If you haven't got the strategy in place either, they might give you the best interest rate or they might give you the best deal. But what we used to do is go with lenders with slightly higher interest rates, but with a further advance option yep. so that we could pull it out. And then we'd remortgage at the two years. Yep. The overall cost of that lending was significantly lower than swapping and switching and changing and bridging and buying the cash and changing. And, and this is what I was saying earlier about some of the investors I currently work with. They're so scattergun that they're, they're saying to me, well, I've spoken to a broker and he says I can pull my money out at three months. It's like, you can, but you won't get market value. Well, I've told him to do it anyway. I didn't get the value. Well, no, you're not going to get the value because, and it's that, it's just listening to the people who've been doing it for a long time and really embracing that education. To me, that's the key to success in everything property is Look for somebody in your life who's doing what you want to do and emulate them. It's not rocket science. Absolutely. But don't, don't listen to other people who are like starting out like you will. You know, I, I heard that this guy said this and this. It's like, no, listen to the experienced people because they know what they're talking about. 100%. I call it the copy and paste model. All right. Yeah, find, right. find someone who's successful and just basically copy what they do to make, that made them become <laughs> successful. And that's one thing. And then the second thing is that obviously you have to soak yourself in so much wealth of knowledge so that you can obviously copy that copy and paste model correctly so that you two can go and win. And finally, a lot of people do tend to go to the wrong person for the right advice. That's why a lot of people fail. So people are looking to, and how, how would anyone even want to get into property? All right, and just go and meet a landlord, all right, that probably bought one or two properties and was never able to scale that, all right, and listen to them when you have a mindset of building 17 properties in your portfolio. You want to be speaking to somebody that's got 17 properties in their portfolio to ask them what they did to get 17 properties. That's what that's what I believe people should be doing. And this is something obviously information these days are quite very um it's it's there, but not again, there's not a lot of quality uh, information that can actually share or break things down. So well well done on that very amazing, amazing, amazing tip there. So now what is your actual strategy? So do you buy to let alone? Do you basically convert, you know, HMOs? 
you know, what is, what, what is your favorite? My own portfolio is family by Telets. That's okay. what all of mine are. I've got 17 of them. So uh, I kind of, I know what I'm doing there now. Now from a, a sourcing management and lettings agent point of view, I have expanded into the HMO market. So I'm currently buying, refurbing, furnishing, and tenanting. Um, but in order to do that, I've obviously had to change strategies. I've changed platforms that I'm working with to manage it more succinctly. Um, I've had to work with really good furniture companies and I've, you know, searched the market for who, who offers the highest quality for the best prices with the best service. And I think it's really important. So for my customers at the moment, I do whatever strategy suits them. Now, unlike yourself, I've never done rent to rent. So that's something I've got no experience in, but I do do, you know, flats, apartments, multi-let houses. And, but my bread and butter is standard family homes. And that's where, that's where the majority of the properties that I, I own myself, but also the properties that I buy and manage for other clients. So I think in total, I've sourced about 50 properties now for other clients. And so I've refurbed in total nearly 65. And, you know, I've, I manage personally in my own portfolio, I manage, I think I've got about 16 on the go. But as I said, my ex-husband, he's a Latin agent and he manages our portfolio and all the properties we sourced originally. So we both, we both do it, but we both, as I say, I'm moving into HMOs now and he's sticking with family lets. Wow. What a powerful, powerful advice in there. So from multi-lets to single-lets, from single-lets to HMOs, you know, it's, it's quite a very, very interesting how people can make that transition. I'm not a big fan of single-lets at all. I, I love HMOs because of the cash flow. You know, I, I, love, I just love the cash flow. And, yeah, it's residentials, I mean, single-let properties, you know, you know, you have one family living in there or, you know, just a single person living in there. There's less headaches. Uh, you know, but HMOs, there's a lot of headaches. But again, if someone else can manage it on your behalf, so for example, in your case, your ex-husband. I am the property manager, though, for the HMOs. So this is this is why I'd rather stick with them. Yeah, he's got the easy job. He la he manages the family lads. I'm going to take on the headache. But as you said, it is more profitable for my clients, which is why you know, I'm going down that route. But again, you know, I'm educating myself as an agent. I'm doing all the agent fundamentals training. I'm doing additional HMO training because I did it a few years ago. Even as somebody who's a property expert, I constantly refresh my training. I'm working with compliance, like Tina, who does all the compliance leads. And I, I just, I constantly surround myself with people who are above me to actually constantly learn and grow and learn from them. So as I say, you know, it, it's, I think for me, it's building blocks. Absolutely. I don't think I would be as confident as I am transitioning had I not got the building blocks. And I think people who try and rush in, it's a case of, no, just take a step back, learn the process, understand how to buy and sell property, understand how to manage it, then expand, then take. And as I said, if you do it over the, the long term rather than the short term, take your time, enjoy it, learn, learn from other people, but do it, 
just transition. And each time you transition, you're only transitioning one step rather than 20 steps and feeling overwhelmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. You nailed, you nailed it down right there. <laughs> one step at a time. You know, and there's something I always say, little drops of water makes an ocean, right? So it means one progress a day, one thing done a day, not 20 things and nothing done. <laughs> you know, so just get one thing done a day. And, and it's just amazing how people can make that transition. Now, um, just before we wrap up this podcast, now, you're, you, you've been in the property space for 20 good years. You've been, you know, you've been there, you've done that, you've got yourself educated, you've got a current massive portfolio of 17 properties, you know, between Liverpool, Merseyside, Manchester, and all these other parts of, you know, uh, Northwest and growing. Now, what would you say, you know, in terms of property valuation, what would you say around, you know, the market, you know, you know, uh, you know, where your gold mine are at the moment? What, what is the yeah. re- what is the current reaction of the market? So at the moment, one of the reasons why I am currently so I don't cover Manchester, sorry, by the way. I only sorry, cover Merseyside. So Merseyside. that's Liverpool. Well, Merseyside and Manchester are not They're too far, about an it? hour away from each yeah. other, but I, but I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's just in case somebody comes to me and goes, you do Manchester. I cover, I cover all of Merseyside, but I focus the majority of the properties that I'm currently sourcing are in the Wirral. Now, the Wirral is undergoing a, a £4 billion regeneration program, the biggest regeneration program that's ever been, you know, done in the UK, all around the dock areas. And we're seeing property prices growing and growing and growing. So, while it's quite difficult to get properties, you know, for what they used to, they've practically doubled in Merseyside and um, over the last couple of years. And we've seen, we haven't seen a growth for 15 years. And then we've seen them double in like two to three years. So what people say is, is it still a good time to buy? And I would say there's never the right or the wrong time to buy. I started my portfolio in 2007 when the market was crashing. While everybody was jumping ship, I was jumping in buying all the repossessions. Yeah. Now, the thing at the moment is people are going, is it a good time while property prices are rising? The problem with that is if they're going to keep rising, you need to buy now. Otherwise, they're going to go up outside of your affordability. So, but if you're buying in a place where you know there's a massive regeneration project happening and you know that that area is going to grow and become a lot more desirable, what I do is, as it's called the ripple effect, you probably yeah. know. So yeah. where the regeneration program is, I like draw a circle of like a quarter of a mile around it yeah. and I just buy up all the houses in the ripple effect. So that's what I'm, that's my biggest focus at the moment is that ripple effect, basically buying in the, in, so Wallasey and Birkenhead and all those places are where I'm, I'm buying lots of properties at the moment. So that's my strategy. And that's why it's to do with the, the property prices and the projection. They've, I think, um, Savile's predicted that the Northwest, in particular Merseyside, especially Wirral, was going to see a 25% increase in property prices over the next five years. Now, we've seen about a 30% increase already, you know, in two years. So we're definitely seeing that rise, but it doesn't seem to be slowing down. It's most properties that we're at, at, um, offering on, they're going at about 
like 10% above asking price. It used to be that they went 10% below, but the demand is so high. And from a lettings perspective as well, I mean, I, I can get a basic two-bed house. I had 68 applications for one property to let a couple of weeks ago. No so the answer to, you know, when people say, is it a good time to buy? It's like, well, the demand for letting is so high. As long as your return on investment analysis is right and you know you're going to get the yield and the, the return on investment on your money, it's better to be in a house because demand is so high, your voids will be low and you'll get a better return than if you keep your money in the bank. And I think that's the key. You know, people are sitting on money in the bank and inflation's going higher than interest rates. So your money's losing money. If you can get a yield of, of 10% and a return on investment of 10% in a property, why would you not let your prop money grow by 10% rather than it losing money in the bank? So that's my strategy. And that's, that's, you know, why I invest in property because you don't just get the cash flow, you get the growth and the capital over the long term as well. So it's a double, a double strategy. Absolutely. And, and you just keep compounding that process, isn't it? You just keep compounding and virtually building wealth. Up. One of the things that we offer on our training course, it's like never sell an asset because once you've sold it, you've lost the asset, refinance the asset, but keep the asset there, just generating as you know, even if it's a small income, it will generate an income and a capital growth. So that's our strategy. Never sell. Always never buy, sell. but never sell. <laughs> <laughs> great, 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 great. Fantastic. So um, just before we go now, right? So if there was to be one word, uh, you know, you want to share with anyone at all right now listening and say, okay, how can I get into property? What are my first steps I need to do to get into property and how can I build that long-term generational wealth using property as my vehicle? I would say surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do. Learn the foundations. So that's it. It's all about education and who you surround yourself with. And you can make that happen. There's so much opportunity online and people doing, you know, like yourself, sharing information for free all the time. And then, you know, if people like what they hear, then they can go and they can learn more. But, you know, understand the value of what they're doing. I mean, we we spent thousands and thousands on education. We got that back within like months on our first deal yeah. because we learned how to do it properly. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, education is the key to property success. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and the next thing I would like to ask you as well, would you say when you was building your portfolio of 17 properties now, which is probably worth millions, you know, what was the pain and also what was the joy? Yeah. So I think for us, because we did basic buy-to-lets we, and we bought in an area we knew, there wasn't actually that much pain. I think the fear of the unknown was actually where most of the pain came from. When we started doing it, we were like, oh, this is actually quite easy. <laughs> the, the, the pain is, you know, if you get bad tenants. But but I think if we look at our portfolio, we've, we've had probably one or two bad tenants. But again, educating yourself around the process of getting those tenants out, making sure you reference the tenants properly and things like that. But the pain has been the, it's been like the 
I wouldn't even use the 80-20 rule. It's been like, you know, 5% of bad tenants has caused us like 80% of headache. But actually learning about, you know, referencing and things like that, that's been the pain. I think the the joy in property investing has been, so what happened to me was after being a sales rep and a trainer in the pharmaceutical industry for 20 years, one of the most successful in the company on stage year after year, winning awards, I literally was made redundant. Um, and, and I lost my, my main source of income overnight. Now, because I had this second source of income, because I had a property portfolio, everyone else was running around like a headless chicken. I've got to get a new job. I've got to get a new job. I'll take anything. I've, you know, I'll, I'll lose everything. I, I sat back and was like, I've got the freedom to do what I want, choose what I want, figure out what I want to do in life. So for me, the joy of property investing is the, I don't invest in property because I'm materialistic or I like nice, expensive things. I like time freedom. And for me, the, the benefit of that is having the ability to do what I want when I want. Now, obviously, I've set up a new business, and now I'm at working like 80 hours a week. So that's actually gone out the window. But as an investor, the ability to have that extra income to give you the freedom, that's what the that's what the pleasure was for me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing the light on that. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure having you on this Wealth and Business Podcast. And we can't wait to actually probably invite you to London to maybe come and speak in one of our networking events because we do also run networking events every quarter and we do intend to be hosting one in Manchester in the coming in the coming months as well. I mean, your wealth of knowledge has been super amazing. This is one of the things that we do here at Wealth Podcast to basically share different experiences, different people, you know, helping people to create wealth, helping people to you know, to, to, to lift up their mindset and go for gold. So if, if you can do it, if I can do it, if we are doing what we're doing in the property space and in the, and in the wealth creation industry, anyone literally can make that transition. You was in the pharmaceutical business and now you run a full-time property business that is basically blown up and about to even blow more. You know, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I need I need to increase my team. That's the key for my that's my business strategy this year. I need yeah. to clone myself and build my team. So, yeah, that's the plan for this this year. Just before we go now, Shellyanne, what is the next thing for you? You've got seventeen properties. When are you stopping? Or is there no stopping you? What 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 well, what is the next thing? I haven't, I haven't bought my own property myself for for. Yeah. A, 15 years. So I, my next goal is once the business is up and running and the management company and I have the staff in place, I'm going to restart my own investing myself because yeah. as you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I went through a divorce. I got made redundant. I've got two kids and I haven't mentioned this at all, but they've got additional um, learning disabilities and needs. Well, not, not to the extreme. One's autistic and one's ADHD. And I have to, I have to have a lot of flexibility with them with, you know, with issues with school and being able to pick them up and all things like that. So for me, 
you know, this whole thing is, has been another reason has been for them. So that's probably one of the reasons I've stopped. But now that they've gotten a little bit older and they're more manageable as children, I'm ready to now sort of take that next step with regards to re, reinvent myself as an investor, not just as a sourcing and, and, you know, a management agent, because I could, I'm doing it for other people, but I want to go back to doing it for myself. But because of my personal circumstances, it was a case of I don't have the capacity to do it. But I have the knowledge to teach other people how to do it, which was what I was doing. So my my step is to find investors to work with and then go back to doing it for myself. That's the next step for me. That would be straightforward portfolio building and then obviously go back to building your personal portfolio and creating a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure on having you, Ashley Ann on this Wealth and Business Podcast. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we have our Wealth and Business Summit coming up in November 2022. And also we have our Wealth and Business Award coming up in 2022, November as well. So make sure you, uh, you know, follow all our social media handles. Stay tuned as we announce this amazing event coming up. And for those of you who wants to reach out to Shelly Ann as well, and uh, make sure to reach out onto her social media handle, which is... So Home Property Solutions, I'm on Facebook. Um, it's homeproperty.solutions is on Instagram. So yeah, feel free to, to touch base and follow me. Property is a very, very, very lonely journey. It's a lonely journey. The more people you have in your network, the better. And this is your network is your network. So make sure that you go and reach out to Shelly Ann as well. You need to invest up you know, in, in, in the Liverpool area, in the Merseyside area, she's going to be there waiting to kind of help hold your hands and, you know, deliver any sort of assistance that you might need. So without further ado, I want to say uh, it's been a massive, 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 great conversation having you on this episode, on this uh, chat on the Wealth and Business Podcast. Thank you so much for spending a quality time with us. Thank you so much for staying here and uh, we'll see you soon. 